Hello. This is required viewing. Here was this very warm person that brought a lot of people together and again was bringing people together that it's like some some of which like my dad and one of his friends hadn't talked in like years or something and I called him and was like you know I know you guys have your thing but uh he's definitely dying now so you should uh talk to him <laughs> and it worked <laughs> the dead dad card totally worked every time Every time. Almost every, every time. time. Well, we're going to get on a little happier subject. Your birthday. And this week we're getting a little childish with our movies in honor of your birthday. I think the, Celebrate the nature your of Christmas movies are kind of childish, childish. Because everyone's like, Christmas, well, every movie we watch, Christmas is for babies. Christmas is not for babies. Christmas is for those who believe in joy and magic. And glitter. And you can still believe in joy and magic and glitter and be delusional and depressed. Absolutely. It can all live. In constant chaos inside That's you. That's the joy of Christmas magic. <laughs> so we're going down a Rankin and Bass birthday bash rabbit hole. <coughs> Thank you. <clears throat> we're watching Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer from... 1964. Frosty the Snowman. From... from any guesses? 72? 1969. I, I was like, I can't remember. It's like, early, <laughs> like late 60s, early 70s, somewhere around there. It's and then cute. Santa Claus is coming to town. 1970. I was like, that one's in the 70s for sure. That would scream like, 70s. That I would, oh, because Santa Claus is coming to town. No. No, just like, we'll get into it. But it gets really, that movie gets hella Mickey trippy. Mickey Rooney's coming. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so before we get into the history of Rankin and Bass, because we're going to do a little deep dive into them, because I don't think a lot of people know anything really about the production company, but we see these fucking movies every Christmas. We should know a little bit more about them. Before that, I have a people question People know for you. it, but they don't know that it's Rankin and Bass. Yeah. They don't know that. You know, they don't, they, people hear stop motion, they don't really understand what it is, but we're going to talk about it. We are. But before that, I have a question for you. Yes. What was it like to have a birthday so close to Christmas? Your birthday is technically I was going to say we should hit that at the top of the hour because after Christmas. Yes. As we had, as we recently were both at a holiday party, there's a holiday tree, this lit star right behind you. Uh, People always ask that question. I like it when they don't ask it like, oh, does it suck to have a birthday that's like right next to Christmas? No, my birthday doesn't suck. Does your birthday suck? Uh, it's great as long as you appreciate both days. Don't lump everything together. The only you got to make it special. The only time it's appropriate to lump is if you're getting a badass gift. Will you tell the story that you told at the party last night about your mom? giving you the same gift twice. Oh, fuck, yeah. <clears throat> well, so the other thing was, I asked my mom, I was like, oh, I was, obviously you went into labor on Christmas, was it like, and she was like, no, you know, every I, we ate dinner, we all opened presents, I was just reading a book. So I was considerate, first of all. <laughs> I was considerate, even though it took a long time, because I was like, well into the afternoon on my birthday, which I still like to do, I still like to sleep in and be unbothered, until it's my time to to wake up, and then I want to eat what I want to eat. 
I'm going to pose a question. Do you think people like tend to enjoy the kind of hours that they're born into? Because I like, I wondered that I'm a nighttime person and I was born at like 1145 at night, almost March 9th. I was born at like 315, 330 maybe in the afternoon. Yeah. And that's like, that's a good time for me. See, I like the nighttime. I'm definitely always up. I mean, it, in the because of that hour. time period, it does make it so that I am more nocturnal in my like. Definitely. Because that's kind of when I get going. And yeah. I'm like, I would like to get going a lot earlier. That would yeah, be nice. But sure. I just don't. But yeah, I've always, I've wondered that same question too. Good question. I know. The other thing was the two part of going into labor on Christmas was we went to UCLA, uh, University of California, Los Angeles to be born in front of a group of med students to Bismarcky's Just a Friend because my mom needed something to laugh to. So the reason being, she says, is that... We're going to tag Bismarcky in this episode. Oh, didn't he die? <laughs> did Wait, did he die? I'm pretty sure he died. No. Did Bismarcky die? Bismarcky... When? What? No, not that. That's not what I want. Okay. 80s icon. Oh, not that. July 16th, 2021. So recently. Yeah, he died in Baltimore last year. Shit. We've been losing a lot. So many people in the last few years that I just like. A lot that you didn't even know. Trash. Yeah. Which sucks. But Bismarcky was a rapper. For those of you you youngins who don't know. Whippersnappers. American rapper and record producer. He did a lot more producing for most of his career. But that's, yeah, because he was not a singer. And that was why my mom loved that song and thought it was so fucking funny is is because it's just you. You, you got, got what, what I need. need. And you say he's just a friend. And you say he's just a friend. Oh, like, baby, you. And that was why. It I was just like this the little, howling sound. The tink of the piano in that song. It's all like, it's all. It's very childish. It's very cartoon-like. And so, born amongst laughter. In front of an audience. In I front guess. of strangers. Yeah. In front of a strange, uh, yes, audience. And then, uh, yeah, but the other story you wanted to hear, <laughs> fast forwarding. I just want to dig up your trauma. That's oh, all. Yeah, good stuff. <laughs> no, I don't even remember what the gift was. I think it that's was. That's even better. Uh, I want to say it was a fib finder. Do you remember that game? Barely. Yes, but barely. Like. There were so many games when we were kids. This one in particular. Fib Finder was like this game. And it was like a le- an electronic doohickey. And it was supposed to have this meter where you could. It was. <laughs> it was supposed to have this meter where you could guess. Like you would put it around give it around to a group of friends and you would tell who was lying. I think there was a pack of cards that you could have suggestions of questions to ask your friends or fill in the blanks where you obviously knew shit about your friends. So it was really fun. And I remember getting it because we played it at 
a slumber party birthday of mine. And then a couple, like two to three years later, I unwrapped this gift. I was really excited to open this present. It was fucking Christmas, as one is when there is wrapping paper and a bow. Yeah, yeah. You're digging in. And it's not paper thin as it was in an aunt's house where you could like see through there. That's fucking funny. So you always knew what she got you. It was some of them were huge and they still had the see-through paper. So you were like, the illusion is still kind of not. Anyway, she I think it was a fib finder again. And she was like, are you excited? I was like, you got me this two years ago. She's like, oh, 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 oh. And it felt like she, our parents were not fully awake. They made us wait until they had coffee. Did your parents make you wait until you, they had their coffee? Oh my, Yeah, my dad, yeah. And sat down and had a robe on and yes. got comfortable. Made sure the Heaven, fireplace was on. We, we would scream if they were like, I need to take a shower. We're like, fuck, you do need to take a shower. You can have coffee, but that's it. Because coffee can be made. Don't brush your teeth. While we get started get looking. Get on, motherfucker. Like, you could put... Coffee on, we could start stockings. When coffee's ready, then we, but sometimes you would have to just wait. Uh, and she, so she said she was going to take it back. And she did, but she never got a replacement present. So I'm pretty sure she just like pocketed that money and that Definitely. So I just didn't get a present. That happy year. birthday. But then you get a present for your birthday. So then they kind of are like, oh, but you got a present. In their memory, they're like, you got a present. And you're like, for my birthday, yes. So that would be the case where it does suck in that case. Which is why I said don't cheap out. Just go either get two solid presents each or one badass one that you were like, I could only afford to get you one badass thing, not two badass things. Or I could only afford one badass thing instead of one badass thing and one decent thing. So we always made a... So my brother's birthday is at the beginning of January. It's like right after Christmas. Mm-hmm. And we made we always tried to make a big to-do because we were always broke by the time we got to his birthday. Mm-hmm. So he didn't get as many presents. But, mm-hmm. you know, if you make a big party out of it, if you make a big... That's the thing is usually something. no one's around. That's also it. Everyone's yeah. either with their own family yep. or they forget. Yep. I've definitely had people tell me that they were like, yeah, we're going to be there. And they forgot. And so that's why I have like a hard set of rules. Much like with the Christmas horror round table or any, much like with the lot, you know, vampires, there, there's rules. And the rules for my birthday for me to make myself happy. It's not like, oh, you follow rules in your birthday. No, it's rules. Or I guess, wh- what would you call it? It's not rules. It's how to keep yourself from being disappointed on your birthday. It's a set of guidelines. It's a self-care. Make sure you're, it's a self-care checklist. Keep, yes. It's a self-care yeah. birthday checklist. <laughs> I like to sleep in. Yes. I don't like to take any... I know people, sometimes they want to call you, they want to FaceTime, they want to do... Not before a certain time. And be like, hey, are you ready? Because it's your day. I'm not going to assume that you're on my time. Uh, I usually like to go get dim sum. One, I love it. Two, Chinese food's always open around the holidays. And yeah, and I usually like to watch a movie as well. Or five. 
And if people want to gather, then great. I love to gather and have a meal and like, but that's always my thing is sleep in, have a good meal, communicate, just kind of do things for one day. If you do anything on one day of the year, do whatever the fuck you want to do. Well, this year you're going to be in the wonderful state of Ohio. Oh, hi. Oh. <laughs> so go explore the wild woods of Ohio. Well, I don't know if they're We're going to be in with Ohio. my boyfriend's family and so he they he was like, "Oh, I chose what we were going to eat." And I was like, "Well, I don't know anything. I don't know anything in Ohio to make a decision about what I want to eat." But he but I was like, "But you also asked me what I wanted to eat. You didn't just say like, "We're going to eat here." So we're going to... That's that communication you were mentioning. Oh, yeah. Super. That's hot. Right? <laughs> He's always shocked. He's like, really? I was like, yeah. You want to know a panty dropper? Communication. For women in double... their 30s, that's what, you that's what double... gets us going is communication. You want to double down? Listening. If Not just really, listening, If you really want to go over the active top... Active listening. Active. Li- there we go. Active listening. And then if you really want to triple down, take that active listening and that communication and then put some action to it behind those words. Holy shit. Woo. She'll drop down on one knee right there. Yep. She'll ask you to marry him. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> She'll propose. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's the secret. Ladies <laughs> oh, and Oh my gosh. Okay. Well. Oh, but we're going to be going to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Nice. And Hibot. Sorry. <laughs> we're going to be going there and to hibachi restaurant fuck yeah so eating good in the neighborhood and rocking out rock and roll hall of fame with people's cocks inside their pants because that's appropriate yeah thank you you know what else is as long as i get to sleep in we'll be doing all the things that are on my uh self-care checklist i think his mom will let you sleep in she seems pretty chill yeah yeah and then to be woken up with like some sort of pancake breakfast or whatever I bet they could work that out. Right? We'll make sure Rob listens to this section <laughs> of, the, of the podcast before that's you guys a, That's leave. the part of like sleeping in is like eating a good breakfast. And usually I make it for myself because I'm like, if, I'm always like, fuck it. I'm going to do it for myself. But if somebody do- takes the initiative, again, that third thing, action initiative, uh, then I, and I don't have to make it myself. Hell again, yeah. Knee dropper, panty dropper. Boom. Love it. Pow. Goes the dynamite. <laughs> happy birthday <laughs> I mean happy, happy birthday. birthday yeah see there you go. that's a good one let's uh let's start talking about ranking and bass speaking of yeah we, let's get into it I want to know what these knuckleheads it. how these knuckleheads came to be <laughs> here it's it's, it's a, it they make it sound like it's two guys but it's not the company was founded in New York by author Rankin Jr and Jules Bass on September 14th, 1960 as Videocraft International LTD. That's a cool-ass name. It's very 80s for being in the 60s. I know. Videocraft. Videocraft. Can you see it? I do. You can see it. Yeah. Neon lights, all that. It has like the Atari lettering. Yeah, Mm kind of gray, Mm -hmm. blue background. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The majority of the Rankin-Bass works include all of their Animagic stop-motion productions. Animagic. Which is also a really cool name. Which we'll they talk were, about that. Yeah. Later. 
they were that's what they were mostly known for even though they did do a number of cell what's called cell animation which is the 2d what we would think about like traditional cartoons so like my cartoon eyes (laughs) so these most of the puppets and the creation a lot of most of the work on these were actually done in japan Tokyo. Get it like a fly sound. The more you know. Throughout the 1960s, the Animagic Productions were headed by Japanese stop motion animator Tahit. Tad Mochinaga. Wait, what? You said it right. Yeah. Say it one more time for me. Tad Mochinaga. Yeah, thank you. He's a supervisor of stop motion puppetry. Uh, His studio was called. M-O-M or Mom Productions. And he was credited, uh, again, credited as the supervisor. Uh, Rank- Rankin and Bass. Traditional a- animation output was done by several animation studios, such as Tui Animation, Icon An- Animation, formerly known as TCJ, and the short for Television Corporation of Japan. Mishi Production, and especially Topcraft, I was going to say, I had some too. It was Toy Animation, Crawley Films, Mushi Productions, and Top Top Craft, and then Densu Studios was another. Wow, one. you found even more. That's amazing. Yeah. That's crazy. They had a ton of fucking I people know. working on this That's shit. why I was glad we both did our separate research because together we could put together you this so the story. Many. Oh, wow. So all of that was formed on February 1st, 1972 by Tui and animator Turo Hara, who was credited as an animation supervisor in some of the Rankin-Bass specials. While several of Topcraft's staff, including Hara and industry legends such as Hayo, oh my gosh, I I know how to say, I was like, no, it's the guy that formed, I'm going to say it, we're going to cut all this out yeah. because but i know how to say his name i've said it's Miyazaki is his last oh, name oh hero Miyazaki. It, but it's there's it's hi hi oh yeah hi oh my Miyazaki. So i just have to i it's so hard Remember, to switch it that like frozen concentrated orange juice yes including Hara and industry legends such as Hayao Miyazaki, who would go on to form Studio Ghibli, which we all know So they connected then. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, if you're talking about the the bad boys of... If you're talking about the bad boys of Japanese animation and him being over there, it makes sense that he would be like an intern or have questions for them. So essentially, when Topcraft died... That's when he went on to form Studio Ghibli, which I personally would say puts out some of the most world famous anime, Japanese Mm -hmm. anime Mm -hmm. of all time. Everybody loves Studio. I don't really watch anime or know much about anime, but I know I know Studio Ghibli. You know, well, Spirited Away was really the one that took it away Mm -hmm. for spirited everybody away would you say (laughs) yeah Uh, that was not i don't remember if it won or not because i don't really watch the oscars but i think it won look it up for me i i don't want to tell anyone about my personal feelings about the (laughs) academy or the oscars keep that to yourself because i uh, maybe want to get invited one day uh but so 
he went off. He formed Studio Ghibli. Other people formed other studios. Pacific Animation Corporation, which continued on working with Rankin and Bass titles until the company shut down eventually. In addition to the named talent that provide the narration for the specials, Rankin Bass had its own company of voice actors. A lot of people like to find good standard actors that they can always count on that were reliable and they can always make sure that they can get a good product from them. For the studio's early work, this group was based in Toronto, Ontario, where the recording was supervised by veteran CBC announcer Bernard Cowan. So they did win Best Animated Feature. Yeah. See, they I won an it, Oscar for Best yeah. Animated Feature. They did. They were nominated for a BAFTA uh, yeah. uh, for Best Film Not in the English Language. Cool. I'm, yeah, I remember Hayao, things. Yeah, Hayao Miyazaki and yeah. Hoshio Suzuki. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the Canadian group included actors such as Paul Souls, Larry D. Mand, and Paul... That is a cool name. <laughs> Larry D. Man. He's high in demand. <laughs> and Paul Klingman. That's cool. <laughs> Murray Laws served as a musical director for almost all the animated films and television programs. Romeo Muller was another constant contributor, serving as screenwriter for many of the best-known productions from Rankin Bass, including Rudolph the Red-Rose Reindeer, which we're watching today, from 64, The Little Drummer Boy from 68, and Frosty the Snowman from 69. One of the mainstays in the business was the holiday-themed animated specials for airing specifically on American television. In 1964, the company produced a special for NBC and sponsored General Electric, later known as NBC. It was a stop-motion animation adaptation of Robert L. May's 1939 story, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and the 1949 song that inspired it, which was written by May's brother-in-law, Johnny Marks. Almost two decades earlier, in 1948, it had been made into a cartoon by Max Fleischer, brother and former partner of Dave Fleischer, as a traditional cell animated short for the Jam Handy Film Company. Jam Handy. Jam Handy, yeah. Jam Handy. With the American actor Burl Ives in the role of Sam the Snowman, the narrator. Canadian actress Billy Mae Richards as the voice of the main title character Rudolph. And the original or- and the original orchestral score composed by Marx himself, Rudolph became one of the most popular and longest-running Christmas specials in television history. It remained with NBC until 1972 when it moved to CBS. In 2019, for its 55th anniversary, the special also was aired on Freeform as part of its 25 Days of Christmas franchise, although it will continue to air on CBS under separate license with Universal. It's weird. Burl Ives has three, like his top three for his filmography is The Big Country, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, and then Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Yeah. It's just like boom, boom. Whoa. It it was a journey for Burl. (laughs) The special contains seven original songs. In 1965, a new song was filmed in, quote-unquote, Animagic to replace We Are a Couple of Misfits and retitled... I know. It was retitled Fame and Fortune. This, This new song was titled Fame and Fortune. The success of Rudolph led to numerous other Christmas specials. The first was Cricket on the Hearth in 1967 with two live 
action announcements by Danny Thomas, continuity and character designs by Don Duga and Paul Cocker, and animation by Hiro Yanazahi. I think I said that right. That sounded pretty good. Mm-hmm. Now he uh, that person was from the uh, television company of Japan. Mm. If you couldn't figure that one out, <laughs> followed by the 1968 spe- Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving special, mm-hmm. The Mouse on the Mayflower. I've never seen that one. I've never seen that one. We should that dig one. that one up. I've never seen that. Okay, writing it down. <laughs> yeah, Mouse on, on the Mayflower, told by Tennessee Ernie Ford and animated by Kenzo Mayasaka, Sani Yamoto, and Yasuji Marahata from Toei Animation. Paul Cocker Jr. would go on to design characters in production for more than 40 Rankin Bass specials and episodes. After its last series output, Rankin Bass shut down its production company on March 4th, 1987. Arthur Rankin Jr. would split his time between New York City, where the company still has offices, and his home in Bermuda. I hey. could do that. <laughs> Rankin died at Harrington Sound, Bermuda on January 30th, 2014, at the age of 89. Okay. Bass became a vegetarian because, you know, you do that. A decade later, he wrote he <laughs> a decade later, he wrote Herb the Vegetarian Dragon. He wrote a children's book. That's pretty fun. His first children's book, and it was a uh, developed specifically to explore moral issues related to vegetarianism. The original story had a follow-up cookbook became bestseller for independent publishing house Barefoot Books. Bass died, actually, this year. Bass died on October 25th, 2022. Really? He died a few months ago at the age of 87. Oh. That's, uh, I mean, they're dead now. That's it. That's Rankin and Bass in a nutshell. Isn't that crazy? Wow. I didn't realize he, like, just died. I wish we, yeah, I wish, Yeah. That, again, wow. a lot of people have been passing away in the last few years. Seriously. And there's just so many people dying. We can't even get all of them out there. I had no idea. There was. I don't feel like there was any news coverage about him dying. And I Not feel like there all. should have been. And Rankin and Bass brought, brought forth Christmas joy. The Christmas spirit. We, we still keep talking about. Everybody knows. Even if you don't know favorites. that people know at least about Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Absolutely. Absolutely. And maybe Frosty. I mean, we talked about it when we watched Elf. Almost the entirety of that, the, the like vibe of that movie. Oh, the whole North Pole. Is Rankin Bass. The whole North Pole is on, like bit the by bit. The snowman is Burl Ives snowman with a few tweaks so mm-hmm. they didn't have to pay royalties. Mm-hmm. Everything they were trying to do just off enough so they didn't have to pay the the like mm-hmm. <laughs> copyright fees, but yeah, no, the, it's inspired so many other things. It's a Christmas tradition. It's very sad that we didn't hear about his passing. I think it is. Yeah. Well, let's honor that then. Get into the one that started it all. The biggest one I feel like of their entire discography is Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. Filmography. I said discography. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about DVDs. I, <laughs> For they real. Didn't have DVDs back then. <laughs> I was thinking about DVDs. 
Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer was exploited. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to talk about that in a minute. Anyway, this movie starts off with Donner, Donner, Santa's lead reindeer, and his wife have a new fawn named Rudolph. They are surprised to find out that when he is born with a glowing red nose, Donner attempts to cover up Rudolph's nose at first with mud, and then later uses an uncomfortable fake nose, so Rudolph will fit in with the other reindeer at school, at reindeer school. It also makes a very deafening sound. (laughs) That really high-pitched whistle, it's a lot. The following spring, Rudolph goes out for quote-unquote reindeer games where the new fawns learn to fly and are scouted by Santa for future sleigh duty. Rudolph meets a doe named Clarice who tells him he's cute, making him fly. That's one of it's my really favorites. It's really adorable. It's just with the no- fake nose on. She thinks I'm cute. Yeah. <laughs> While he celebrates with the other bucks, his fake nose pops off, causing the other reindeer to mock him and Coach Comet to expel him, which let's talk about disabilities. This is why we have... Was he not being successful at everything he was doing prior? His nose had nothing to do with his flying Well, Santa at that point goes, oh, it's a shame. He was top of all of his whatevers. And you're like, yeah, he's still... He's still whatever. What's a shame? Your bias? (laughs) Yeah, let's think about that one. Santa. Rudolph meets and joins Hermie, a misfit elf who left Santa's workshop because he wants to be a dentist. As That's er- what they're calling it. <laughs> <laughs> and Yukon Cornelius. You have to say his name as he says it. I'm going to let you do that. Let me hear it. No, you have a better nope. like prospector. Yukon Cornelius. Yeah. Is that what you want? Yukon Cornelius. Yeah, there we go. He's a prospector who has spent his life searching for silver and gold. Silver and gold. Silver and gold. That song is the most annoying one in this movie. My favorite (laughs) is that like. Silver and gold. Silver and gold. Well, there was at the top, there was the title cards that were like. Burl Ives is only going to sing these seven songs. Oh, that was really funny. I'd never really paid attention to that before. Only these, these songs. These are the Burl Ives songs. Skip. They should have like put the, the minutes next to them. If you only want Burl Ives. Here, you, tap <laughs> it. This is bop, where bop, we bop. got. Or now it's an interactive Netflix special kind of a yeah. thing where you can click on or whatever the fuck. But, Skip to Burl. But there's that. And yeah, I remember you going... This is the longest lead up to Silver and Gold. <laughs> it really was. Because it was just, you call Cornelius talking about silver and, and gold. gold. And I'm like, I ah, get okay. it, bro. I'm done looking for gold. No, but I thought you were looking for gold. I thought you were looking for gold. Well, now I'm looking for silver. You're like, can't you look Dude, for both? Oh, my God. Bro, I get it. You mine things. You prospect. Good for you. Silver. Gold. Wahoo. I'm so glad after. So... As he's going on and on and on about silver and gold because he's been doing it for like five minutes I think already. He's got like a fucking metal frenzy or whatever, the silver frenzy, like, <laughs> like whatever it is. Toxic yeah, metal poisoning? Yeah, where he's got like in, in too much into his bloodstream oh or ingested God, so too much dust. Funny. After escaping the abominable snow monster who gracefully comes in and ruins this song, <laughs> thank God, all three land on the Isle 
<clears throat> I, on the island of misfit toys. It is a place where unloved or unwanted toys reside with their ruler, the winged lion named King Moon Racer, who brings the toys to the island until he can find homes and children who will love them. Moon Racer. Also, what was going through Find my head. Find the place for all of the misfit toys, but not all toys. Dude, I don't think <laughs> we have ever mentioned, I don't know if we've mentioned once in the past year how much you and I love the James Bond franchise. Oh, oh we don't really mention have it we? sometimes. Have we? Yes. Well, we About love, how eventually we'll get we're gonna to do a it. whole we're thing gonna do on a whole it. Thing. We're going to watch all of them. Diapers at the ready because we'll just be pissing our pants with excitement. <laughs> and because we'll watch all of them, we'll get to put all of our favorite songs on our Spotify playlist. Yes. I'm just saying, we really love James Bond. Such so a good. Good ruler. Back to the, the misfit toys. The king allows them to stay one night on the island and asks them to ask Santa to find homes for the rest of the toys. Rudolph leaves on his own, worried that his nose will endanger his friends by alerting the abominable snowman. Just put some more mud on it. I know, right? There are things. But he needed to go on his own. He's got to find himself. He had to go on his own Rudolph's rumspringer. (laughs) A reindeer rumspringer. That's essentially what happened. Time passes and Rudolph, now a young stag, returns home to find that his parents and Clarice have been searching for him. He then travels to the abominable snowman's cave. Sidebar, that girl went traveling with your mother. Yeah. She loves you, yeah, boo. <laughs> yeah. So they go to the cave where everybody else is being held captive. Rudolph attempts to rescue Clarice until the monster knocks him down with a stalactite. There you go. There we go. That is a vocab word for the young kids. There you go, children. Stalactite. Hermie and Yukon eventually show up with a plan to help out Rudolph. Hermie lures the monsters out of the cave by imitating the sound of a pig and pulls out the abominable snowman's teeth after Yukon knocks him out. Yukon drives the toothless monster back to the cliff and falls with it. I'm going to sidebar. Dentistry is more than pulling teeth. Back and then I, it was. <laughs> I guess that's true. Because there's some places like up through the 80s where you could still just go get your fucking tooth pulled. You could just go there and be like, this hurts. And sometimes they wouldn't even ask you which tooth. They would just pull. <laughs> oh my it's gosh. not like a cartoon where it's going to be throbbing and red. Oh and you're like, oh, gosh. it's that one. Dentistry freaks me out. I don't understand why this dude mm. is obsessed with teeth anyway. Something that everybody everybody else around him is obsessed with toys. He's obsessed with teeth. He needs to go live with Jack Skellington in Halloween Town. Switch doors but in the woods. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yukon returns with a tamed snowman, now trained to trim Christmas trees. Explaining that the monster's bouncing ability saved both of their lives. Christmas Eve comes... And while everybody is celebrating, Santa announces that the big storm is approaching, forcing him to cancel Christmas. Bum, bum, bum. Blinded by Rudolph's bright-ass fucking nose, he changes his mind and asks Rudolph to lead the sleigh. Hold up. <laughs> I know. I'm so mad. Anyway, Record scratch. We've got one fucking sentence left. We're going to get into it in a second. Rudolph accepts 
And their first stop is the Island of Misfit Toys, where Santa delivers the toys to the children. That's that's it. Happily ever ever saves Christmas with his nose. His family, his friends, and the ruler of his village, Santa Claus. Don't forget the gay lion, y'all. No, scared. Exploit a disabled young person. That's what this movie is. Why we should give a shit. Stamp. <laughs> No stamps. We're like a skirt. We should do like a record skip. Oh, that's a good one too. Uh, I love this movie. This movie is great. <laughs> it's, it's so again. We also love stop motion. Uh, I think about we the should feeling. give a shit because Rudolph and Hermie, in their own rights, are gay icons. Yeah, you told me that, and I, as we were watching it, it Rudolph made a is lot more of, of like a black icon, maybe like because he's brown, and I mean they're all brown, but he's like. You, we t- we talked about this. All of the female does were lighter brown, like tan, and then all the male does were like a darker shade of brown. But I think Hermie was just a gay dentist, and he was also the only one that didn't have pointed ears. His ears were round. Yeah, you pointed that out, and I had never noticed that. Before. I never noticed it either. Maybe we that's were, another reason why he felt like he was like an outsider. Didn't belong. I mean, yeah. They I probably mean, this, teased him. If they were teasing somebody about their nose, you were, they were probably teasing this mofo about his little ears. The intended subtext of this film is misfit people are people too. Like everyone deserves love. Everyone deserves respect. Also, everyone I feel deserves. Like Santa knew the toy circuit, so how could he just like not know about an uh, about an island of Man. misfit toys? One I mean, I know it's kind of like behind the mountain and maybe the abominable snowman was kind of like blocking their ability to get to that area. And when they tamed him, they could finally get there. I don't know. One of these days, not this year, maybe next year. Um, I do want to do the history of Christmas. I just was, everyone knows like the history of Christmas. They used to play on the history channel every fucking year, but like from a maybe mytho- not anymore, mythological though. standpoint, because I, as an adult, I think Santa Claus is not only, horrifically mean but terrifying he especially with the elf on the shelf thing what about krampus dude well i was like krampus is honestly a lot more forgiving you know where you stand with krampus there's a lot of like negotiations that you can get into with santa Mm. you can get on the nice list if you know what you're doing (laughs) you can figure it out by christmas krampus doesn't give a fuck he's gonna take you down to hell in chains or give you some oranges. It's one or the other. Um, so, Ives. Burl. I love that Burl, name. Burl. Burl Ives. He, he was literally, all of his shit was recorded way later. It was all put in after. That makes sense. They had gotten most of it done, and then they just stuck in him. He and his character were added literally right before the end of production. After NBC and GE... You wouldn't know, though, because it works so beautifully. I know. It's so cool. Uh, they This is what they wanted to... They were trying to impress the sponsors. They asked Rankin and Bass to add a familiar name that audience would recognize. The character designer, Anthony Peters, intentionally made Sam the Snowman's character resemble Burl Ives. Mm-hmm. Which, as we'll see in all of these movies, all of the famous narrators resemble the, peop- the like humans that they're modeled after. Correct. Correct. Well, do you want to learn a little bit about Animagic? Yeah, tell me. So, 
Animagic is a form of animation where they would move a puppet one frame at a time and shoot that. Majority of the works, as we as we know now, were made in were actually made in Japan, and Japanese animation gained international fame around the 1970s and 1980s. As we know, Tad Mochinaga was the supervisor of stop motion puppetry at Dentsu Studios in Japan, and that's where I think majority, or at least maybe Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, was taken care of. Rankin's puppets. I say Rankin specifically because I think Rankin was the one who took the trip to Japan. Correct. He's the one who went over there. His name is a little bit more prevalent on these. He did mm-hmm. a lot of a little bit more producing. I actually think I saw that he wrote some of these. I think he wrote some of them. That I think some directed. But a lot of it, I think, was he was the one that went over to Japan and was like heard that they were doing. I feel like I had read something that he had had seen something that they had done and was like. They're doing something over here that is different. This should take off. And he was right. So Rankin's puppets used woods, wires, and we both noted leather for eyelids on like some oh of gosh, the so much on the reindeer. A lot of texture, a lot of need of felting for the for the animals specifically. And we most, as crafters and designers know that. We were like, wow, we'll look at all the things. needle felting they've got going on on this thing. So in, what would, what it would be is... Most, you've of, got sorry, a, most of their cell animation to, projects were also done in Japan as well. So not yeah. just these ones, but those ones as well. And just as a, as a sidebar for everyone, claymation is just another form of stop motion. Correct. So they would utilize clay, but in this, that was what made them so unique. Let's talk about the difference between... So claymation is a clay polymer that's put over a a wire wire armature. armature. Or another type. It doesn't necessarily have to wire, but it's put over an armature. These particular puppets, what made them special is it was wood over these this wire armature and then all of the textured felting and leather on top of felting, the wood. Felting, leather, so we're talking tiny, almost like, like fabric clothing. Because it's so prevalent and everyone loves it, Jack Skellington, you think about his puppet. His puppet is freestanding. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming because of the wood, most of these were treated like marionette puppets. I think that because those were really popular back in Correct. the 60s. That was what was making... But the... The difference being you, the whole, the magic was that you didn't see the wires, right? You didn't exactly. see the, the strings that were, that were moving the puppets around and you got, yes, that animated magic or animagic factor to it. But they all just, there's a light diffusion that happens with a mat, with the sheen of a, of a, of a material. Mm-hmm. So you've got something that can be like an ultramat or like there was that was the blackest black that was freaking everybody out because you could look at, you could paint something with it and it would basically like in your visual, the way your eyes were receiving it and reporting it to your brain, it looked like it was an absence in space Yeah, and it would freak people out. And then you've got, you know, matte and eggshell and you move all the way up to like mirror gloss where you're looking at real shiny shit that's reflecting and blinding people. But if someone's using a polymer clay, it's got a much more diffuse, softer tone to mm. it. But with this, they're much they're much more akin to, like you said, marionettes and vintage toys. Yeah. So much like, I think it's funny that they're talk in the 
upcoming film when they start talking about toy makers and they're talking about being in Germany. Germany and Japan were pretty prevalent in making toys for a long time. That style of toys until people thought didn't really want them anymore. But there was a very there was a very specific much like Tim Burton, there was a style a character style that you identify as being of a Rankin and Bass film, which we we will continue to talk about more Rankin and Bass film and further movie misses. Absolutely. We're going to continue on with this for many Christmases. But that's what made them seasons. different is by yeah. making being made. That takes a lot more time. With clay, you can move and shape, and then you bake it, or you can fix it and add a lump. But with wood, that's much more that's rigid. Why you, it's, it's a much more yeah. rigid medium. But and it adds it. It gives a different quality to it, and it, it does still have a warmth because wood has a warmth. And then they're Absolutely. painting it and adding these glazes and glosses over it so that it keeps that warm glow. But you can notice more cuts and places where they have mouths shaped a certain way, or they try to move in beards or fat folds or something that they can, or they can remove the mouthpieces to make them talk frame by frame and still by still. Yeah. Um, do you want to find out what happened to those puppets? We've been talking about these puppets. Yes, you were mentioning that you knew, and I, I want to know. It's kind of a really tragic story, <laughs> since those involved with the production had literally no like concept of the future value of these puppet figures or used that they in the production. Need to be really taken care of. They weren't preserved. Rankin claimed in 2007 to be in possession of the original Rudolph figure. Nine other puppets, including Santa, a young Rudolph, were given to a secretary who gave them to family members. Eventually, seven were discarded. In 2005, the remaining two puppets of Rudolph and Santa were appraised on Antiques Roadshow. We love me some fucking oh, Antiques yeah. Roadshow, baby. Uh, in the episode that aired in 2006 on PBS, at the time, their appraised value was between 8000 and 10000 which uh, even in 2006 seems low to me. Yeah. The puppets had been damaged through the years of rough handling by children and improper storage in the attic because they Dude, were you toys. You let kids play with those. They were just given as toys. I mean, that's the thing. They look like toys. And if they're made out of wood, people are like, oh, these are going to last longer. But the paintwork and the glaze is so delicate on that. So toy aficionado Kevin Caris bought Santa and Rudolph in 2005. In 2007, he had both puppets restored by Screen Novelties in Los Angeles-based collective of film directors specializing in stop-motion animation with puppet fabricator Robin Walsh leading this project. The figures have been shown at collections since then. They were sold at auction November 13th, 2020, netting a $368,000 sale price, doubling the expected return. Good. On December 22nd, 2020... They were donated to the Center for Puppetry Arts in Atlanta, Georgia, where they live to this day. There's a Center for Puppetry Arts? I didn't know that till I did this. I want to go. And now I want to go. Yep. I want to go. Dude, you know that I did puppet stuff in college, right? Like, I was part of a puppeting troupe. Did Sorry, I ever I'm tell you down. that? So I was a part of a group called the Educational Children's Theater Company. Cool. And we did a program called kids on the block. It 
had scripts dealing with children of disabilities and different, um, not just different bil- uh, disabilities. Different but, abilities. I like uh, that. Different abilities. <laughs> um, different disabilities, uh, but also different situations because kids don't really understand. So there was one uh, puppet character with a backstory of divorce. There was my, the, oh man, the one that I did on the most regular basis, I did a puppet that had cerebral palsy mm-hmm. and he came with a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. And so there was like a little duffel bag with a little puppet that I used to carry around in this teeny tiny wheelchair that I used to carry around <laughs> school campus. <laughs> it looked strange. It looked like I oh, had yeah. a tiny human in a duffel bag. Oh my and God. I just like killed a child and I have their teeny tiny oh, wheelchair. I mean, it looked insane. But in was... a mannequin place, I've had lots of body parts yeah. in my car. Yeah. But I mean, that for me, that would be my happy place. I feel like just... Sitting and and creating puppets and and doing that. Like, I have a few stop motion projects that have been on my list for ages that I really would love to do. And creating puppets. And I've always, we, you and I searched high and low for some more, like, just some information on how those puppets were made. I would love more information. You're out there. You have it. That's also how I would spend, like, if. If and when we make it big, that is something that is on my list. You know, of like a thing that you would want to have or buy, it would definitely be a Rankin Bass puppet. Yeah, that's so cool. That would be something that I. But would there's have. only like two left, and they they live in they that live in that museum, museum and I, I know. want them to live there. No, I want them to be there for sure. <laughs> but also, I know that would be my that would be my fine art piece that I feel like I oh would my want. Gosh. Like a little tiny Rudolph. You would have to have Rudolph and Santa. and Santa. Oh, yeah. Except I feel like I'd get pissed at Santa. I'd be like, you dick. You motherfucker. This cute little kid. Uh, all those other puppets are just destroyed. Yeah. They just didn't give a shit about him. Isn't that heartbreaking? Should remake him. Isn't that They're remaking tragic? everything. They're remaking everything now. Why can't we have a resurgence? Um. So, you got anything else? No, you got any, any more nuggets for me? No, that's it. Uh, so we're going to move on to Frosty the Snowman. Okay. Happy birthday. Go up and down. No, I just wanted it to sound... The first one is really rough. When he first wakes up, oh, he's God. like, I'm drunk from the it's night before. Jesus, it's so bad. <laughs> Frosty the Snowman is also our only cell animation today. Cell beating, also done in Japan. Though, also right? done in Japan. So <laughs> this is the most ridiculous. This is Happy birthday. In a schoolhouse on Christmas Eve, inept magician Professor Hinkley. <laughs> I inept. I he enjoyed is inept. That. He is inept. Unsuccessfully performs his tricks during a Christmas party. Upon being dismissed, the children go outside and play in the snow and build a snowman, which they name Frosty. Professor Hinkley chases his rabbit, Hocus Pocus, which, if I ever own a rabbit again, I will be... First, I'll have two of them. I will name one Hocus and the other one Pocus. You did mention that. You were that like, would That's be a cute. great name. It's a good name for a rabbit. Or cats. Or cat. Well, I think it's a little cliche for cats i think it's cuter for rabbits it's like everybody i know with a cat named luna everybody names their cat fucking luna yeah but some of it's a little cliche 
Hocus Pocus has absconded with his hat, his magic hat. The hat is blown off by the wind and caught by Karen, a student who puts it on Frosty's head. A student who will later grow up to ask for her manager. The hat brings Frosty to life, where he screams, give it to me. Happy birthday! <laughs> Professor Hinkley reclaims that the hat Professor Hinkle reclaims the hat when it gets blown off and declines that he saw Frosty come to life. Later, Hocus, which switches the hat with a Christmas wreath and brings it back to the children, they use the hat to animate Frosty again, and the snowman is immediately amazed by his newfound life. Happy birthday! When the temperature rises, Frosty fears that he will melt. He can... Gee, your kids, it's getting real hot around here. He just, he sounds like a New Jersey sanitation worker. You know what I mean? I'll be, fro- I'll be the frosty to your story. <laughs> I really like this. I like what's happening right now. So Frosty fears that he will melt unless he can get to the North Pole. The children suggest putting him on a train. Come on, kids. Let's go to the North Pole. Don't tell your mom and dad. That was my favorite line of this entire movie. We are now having... That was you saying that. I don't think they actually said that in the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Because you and I were like, he's stealing those children. I was rewriting the movie the way it should be written. (laughs) He kidnaps these kids. It's fine, though. True, true. He doesn't kidnap all the kids. All of them. Just All the kids show him to the train and just Karen gets on. Come on, Karen. (laughs) Don't tell your mom and dad. And all the kids, don't tell anybody. I'll melt you like also, I'm gonna melt. Train. <laughs> That's not a good place to put it. We're There's afraid of him. Hole in exactly. There. We're afraid of him melting. Maybe a train is not the most appro- appropriate mode of travel. Anyway. Also, I feel like I wouldn't accept any threats from a magical snowman because you could just like flamethrower, big big lighter, a match. <laughs> There's a big parade. Frosty leads us. Like, very terrifying parade of children through town as people in the town are like, why are these children being escorted by... You know we need to give that man a saxophone. (laughs) Yeah. They'll be like the Lost Boys. Jesus Christ. Because they have no money for tickets. Duh. Hocus. (laughs) But that guy was fucking on top of it. He had... if they, But when he thought they were paying for tickets... He was on it. He's like, yeah. you could do this, you could do this, you can connect here. And then she's like, we don't have any money. And he was like, well, then fuck you. <laughs> Capitalism. <laughs> That's Christmas. <laughs> so Hocus, Frosty, and Karen secretly board the North Brown Freight Train's refrigerator car. There we go. Smart. We found one. While, the prof- uh, while Professor... It Hank- feels a lot better in here, Karen. Oh, my God. Even though you're a child and we didn't bring a very hefty coat for you. <laughs> This bitch is about to die of hypothermia. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, Karen. So the, the professor, uh, if you hadn't figured it out, the professor is going to follow them throughout this entire fucking movie. He wants that hat back. Also, professor of what? <laughs> Nothing. He doesn't teach that. Not only is he a terrible magician, but he also didn't teach the children anything. No, professor of shenanigans. You're awful. Buffoonery. He needs, he needs his teaching license revoked. Very much, yes. As the train continues northward, Frosty sees that Karen cannot withstand the freezing boxcar. 
<laughs> it's just so Why funny. She just like he like stole her away on the next cart over. That's exactly what I thought. And then he could just be in the refrigerated car. No, Karen, we gotta stick together. Otherwise, people are gonna know that I stole you away from your mom and dad. Don't worry, you don't want to make me upset on my birthday, do you, Karen? Don't look at the knife, Karen. Oh my God! <laughs> look away from the frozen icicle, Karen. It's not a knife, but it cuts like one. When the train stops to let a passenger train pass, the group disembarks in search of somewhere where Karen can warm up. <laughs> Because <laughs> this bitch didn't bring enough. She was going to the North Pole. She, it's gonna be cold. She had her regular scarf and coat situation, but it didn't oh, think about God. it being colder. The professor, still behind him, still in pursuit by nightfall, Frosty Karen and Hocus. Professor McDingleberry <laughs> is what it should be. It's <laughs> like way better name. They struggle to bring an unconscious Karen through the forest where Hocus asks the forest animals to build a campfire for Karen. We are asking a lot of the forest animals. And they, Hocus. <laughs> none of, no one has any sort of need to help this child, which will probably grow up to deforest their home. But the North Pole seems to have animals that are very on top of their shit. It's all those Disney animals, man. <laughs> They're a lot smarter than the regular ones. Hey, animals, can you help out? I'm just a snowman, and I can't put together a fire. I'll melt. Fearing that the fire is not enough, Frosty <laughs> decides to look for Santa on his own, whom they assume can save Karen and bring him to the North Pole. They just assume that he can bring her back to life. Or that there's a Santa. Or yeah. that there's a Santa. <laughs> They're putting a lot of faith. Well, I guess if I saw a snowman come to life in front of me, I'd believe in Santa, too. Very true. While Hocus searches for Santa, Professor Hinkle arrives, and Karen and Frosty flee and stumble upon a greenhouse that later they enter, and so she can warm up. Finally, we get some more warm for her, only for the professor to arrive and lock them both inside. Again, toss that bitch inside. You stand outside. He tried. By the time Santa arrives and lets Hocus lead him to the greenhouse, Frosty is already melted. Santa explains to a heartbroken Karen. <laughs> it's just so... I feel pity for anyone named Karen now. That Frosty is made of Christmas snow and will return every single winter. He then opens the door and lets the winter wind revive Frosty as they are about to put the hat on his head. Hinkle intervenes and Santa threatens... Like, I love when Santa, this is why I think Santa is a bad dude. <laughs> Every, I'm just, sorry. I'm, I just, I have some very strong, Santa is a, a, a god. I don't know if you know this. He's an omnipotent god. He can be gangster. everywhere all at once. He knows when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. Yeah, that shit terrified me as a kid. He's always there. He's terrifying. So Waiting for you. Very disappointed if you don't leave him milk and cookies. What if you don't know what... I mean, everybody assumes chocolate chip, maybe sugar cookies, but what if he likes other kinds of cookies? I know. Wouldn't he get overcooked? Yeah, over thousands of years, I'd also get... Yeah, really I'd say, you know what? Cookies. Spice it up. Just say I like cookies. Give me some pie. Give me a variety. But give me some ham, bitch. I you know, know you've been eating ham all day. You know there's some motherfucker that left raisins in there. Faux show. Or cherries. Think, mm -hmm. 
So Santa threatens to never bring him another Christmas present if he reclaims the hat. He's got to give up the hat. After Hinkle runs home. It wasn't working for him anyway. I know. He's a terrible magician. (laughs) After Hinkle runs home to write his apologies, hoping to get a new hat for Christmas, Santa brings Frosty back to life, drops Karen off at her house, and takes Frosty back to the North Pole, promising that he will return every single year with the magical Christmas snow. On my birthday, Karen. Don't worry, I'll be back in your house every year until eternity with my corn pipe. As the credits roll, Frosty leads another parade of children. We need to separate him for these large groups of children. I'm a little concerned. Hocus and the narrator, who I haven't mentioned yet, is played by Jimmy Durante mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. terrifying. Um, and the rest of the town, including Professor, it, who is now sporting a brand new hat. <laughs> That's all he needed. A new hat. As the parade ends, Frosty boards Santa's sleigh, and they're off to the North Pole, with Frosty altering the song's last line, saying, I'll be back on Christmas Day. Why doesn't, instead of happy birthday, okay, why should we give a shit? Why should we give a shit? Because it's a sweet movie, as terrifying as it is. Uh, why doesn't he say Merry Christmas? I, don't I mean, know. I get that when he's being created, it's his birthday. Yeah. But I always, why not? Merry Christmas. <laughs> Karen and other kids, I'm not really paying too much attention to you. I really <laughs> give it a lot of focus on Karen. <laughs> I think we need to call Karen's parents. <laughs> Where are Karen's parents? <laughs> Where are anyone's parents? No one's worried. She goes back home and All there's not even a worry. All these children are running around with no parental supervision. That was the, that was the good old days. <laughs> that was the good old days. Before people were getting snatched up. So you were talking about this movie being terrifying, which it is. Do you want to know one of the reasons why it's terrifying? Because Jimmy Durante... Well, okay, I will tell you my first thought. Okay. Jimmy Durante, every other animated character has round eyes. Jimmy Durante's character has Are, triangle eyes. <laughs> and they're weird and I, pointy. Even his pupils are triangles. I don't know I if get I consciously notice that, but do. yeah, he does. Because it makes him different, but too different. It's scary. Because Burl Ives and in the next his one, his face and round his head eyes. are just so much bigger than everyone else's as well. And they're it's big really... and pointy, but you, there's still a way to keep the caricature well let's talk about triangles and makeup this is a weird segue to clowns but like christmas time a lot of this stuff is like very a lot of performances around christmas time are very kind of clowny clown based also so i think the magician had jaundice yeah oh yeah because he was super yellow he was so yellow the the triangles triangles and clowns so clowns (laughs) Triangles, clowns, and jaundice. And jaundice. Yeah, the professor definitely needed to go to a hospital. Maybe that's why he thought he could do magic is because his kidneys were failing. I kind of wonder if the hat was giving him jaundice. It might have been. It was we a toxic hat. We should go back hat. and see if his color changed when he got a new hat. <laughs> so uh, clowns, for the most part, when they do their makeup, have everything rounded. Because you don't want any sharp points because sharp points are scary. Are visually scary. So when I'm going to bring in a serial killer, John Wayne Gacy had uh, his little clown character. Mm-hmm. All of his makeup was very sharp and his eyes were into triangles mm-hmm. and his nose was a triangle. And like that's a very against what a lot of face painting teaches mm-hmm. is 
which I find is a very interesting choice for them to do in this children movie is to have all these sharp points on their narrator. This came do you out know what I mean? I wonder if this inspired him. Uh, we're not going to talk in, about what inspired John Wayne nope. Gacy. <laughs> I'm um, just saying, if he was a kid at Once Upon a Time and he was watching this, and he was like, I resonate with that with that animated character. Creepy. Very much so. Oh my god, that's so terrifying. I'd never put I'd never thought. I about mean, that. as an as an illustrator and an animator, I, and I used to really want to be a cartoon animator when I was a kid, or cartoon designer. You try different shapes and you try yeah. different things out when you're creating new characters, and then you everybody goes and they make different eye shapes, and then you realize that's terrifying, and there's a reason why they're it's all round. Um, other things that are scary. So they switched. This particular movie is different than the other ones. Arthur Rankin Jr. and Jules Bass wanted to give the show and its characters the look of a Christmas card. That was the intention. So they hired okay. they hired Paul Cocker Jr., a greeting card and mad magazine artist mm -hmm. to do the character drawings and the background drawings. As much I think it's a questionable choice to hire anyone from mad magazine from mad magazine to do a children's what they're leaning anything. towards so that's why i i thought it was interesting the greeting card thing i get it that's yeah. actually a really sweet idea mm. and concept whether mad it magazine went through but i can summarize this in three three things jimmy durante's terrifying triangle clown eyes yes the magician has jaundice and very sickly, and Frosty has brain damage. Oh my God, yes. That's so funny. This was probably the most disturbing of them. However, I gave you a little more animation research. You ready? Yeah. So there's five types of animators. There's the character animation, and that's what I wanted to do. There's the 2D animation, there's 3D animators, there's stop motion, and then there's motion graphics. That's really... A fun description. Okay, can you uh, tell us the difference between all of those? No. <laughs> Character animation is where you, or there's so it's broken up much more than that. When I was younger, like I said, I really wanted to do, I really wanted to draw cartoons. I drew cartoons all the time. I'm I assuming it was really fun. You used to watch the old Disney documentaries, like I did, the old like behind the scenes stuff. Oh yeah, watching people hand paint. The cells. cells. Well, so my stepmom, having worked at The Simpsons and knowing that I wanted to do this, I went and I got to go there and I talked to everybody individually. Uh, like at all the Simpsons the, office? Mm-hmm. About every, like, and a lot of them were our family friends and people we knew and such, but talked to them about each each person, what their job was, so I could figure out where in cartoons I wanted to reside and where I wanted, what cool. I wanted to aim for. And that was really fun. And I thought design because I was like, I have a hard time drawing the same thing over and over and over and over again and doing it exactly the same over and over and over again. But if I could design a new character each time, I could get behind that. It's not the five types of animators. It's, there's, it's five types of animation. And there's characters 2D, 3D, where you're bringing it into Pixar. three dimensions. Pixar, I think a great example is there's a Simpsons episode where they're going... The Simpsons are traditionally two-dimensional. Mm. 
And there's that one episode in the 90s where 3D was kind of becoming a little bit of a thing. And they had Homer go through another dimension. And then they had a 3D Homer that was walking I on. This. Yeah. yeah, walking down a street in LA that was a live action. Yeah. So you've got three different types of filmed, uh, three different types of film coming at you, basically. Stop motion is what we're talking about here, where you've got a puppet that is being moved frame by frame and those frames are put together in order to make a sequence of a movement. Then you got motion graphics, which are... There was a, there are whole motion graphics for motion would, graphics. If we could... I feel like the easiest way to describe all of these would be picking movies. Mm -hmm. Avatar. Yes. Motion graphics. Avatar. Yeah. We're talking about people in those green dot suits yeah. with motion animation. Because then there's there's because you're degrees using for motion graphics a though human where... and their organic motion mm -hmm. to develop your animation. Motion graphics too can be described as like graphic design and taking those things and animating them and moving them around. That too. Which that's where it gets a little hairy. But I like that you've got that. So character animation, we've got the old school stuff, two D animation. Yeah. Kind of, you know, what's been on Cartoon Network, 3D animation, Pixar, stop motion, Rankin Bass, motion graphics, Avatar. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. And, and but also, I mean, we could say Avatar, but I'm going to shoot myself in the foot here a little bit. They've been using King motion Kong. that they've been using motion graphics for a long time. Mm -hmm. The original Disney Alice in Wonderland, they had a little girl come in and get in that dress Dude, and dance Alice, around. Sleeping Beauty, they mm -hmm. had an Aurora that was they dancing did. around. They had a Snow White. There was a woman the who The Little came Mermaid. In. They had one for the mermaid mm -hmm. scenes. So the, the, the It's human, helpful to have a human. An object. Yes. Because as, as a product designer, the thing that we're challenged with is creating something that doesn't exist. Mm, yeah. And that's really hard. People can't always imagine what that looks like. So you do need to draw examples of things that already exist, shapes that already exist, to put the, that image together in a way that makes sense for the brain. Yeah. So it's an interesting thing. And then another thing was the 12 principles of animation. I can just list them out. I'm not going to do go that. Into a yeah. heavy, heavy thing, but you can kind of go and learn on your I own. I would honestly love to save for heavy animation talks for one day when we do do get into Disney. Oh, absolutely. But give me, give me your list. Yeah, I want to give you the brass. The, fucking, like, simple. This is fascinating shit. I love this stuff. Stunning. Stunning. Fascinating. Fascinating. We're wild stuff. That's been my one that you got me with the other day. <laughs> So number one, squash and stretch. Number two is the animation. Number three, staging, which as an actor, you know how important staging is. Four, straight ahead and pose to pose. Five, follow through. I feel like there was an and there, but either way. Six, slow in and slow out. There was, as I was doing my research and reading in, there was somebody that said slow in and slow out was a really important principle that helped them kind of guard, like really center. Everybody needs, all these principles are important, but everybody can attach themselves to one or two that really helps them and roots them in their knowledge of the thing that they're practicing. Mm -hmm. uh, seven is arc. Eight, secondary action, which I thought was interesting. You've got your primary action, but they need at least a secondary action to to be an animated character. 
it's funny that a lot of these line up for character analysis study Mm -hmm. for an actor. Oh yeah. You have your primary action, your primary motivation. What is your secondary action? Mm -hmm. What is your subtext? Right. Nine is timing. Yeah. 10 exaggeration, which makes sense. 11 solid drawing and 12 appeal. That's which I think it's interesting. The movements and how they're moving and their actions are all the most important thing before you get to the appeal of if it yeah. uh, is it interesting. I like that. Which makes sense. If they can't move and do their thing, then they're not going to be appealing. I think if those other 11 are set up, then the 12th one will naturally Absolutely. fall in line. Um, I think that's a good segue into our last movie, which Wait, was, one last oh, you thing. got one thing. One last thing. One thing. They noted that when they set up a fire to warm up Karen, <sighs> they were put in an open area where trees wouldn't burn. <sighs> they did not. They did say that. No, no, but they didn't do that. There was trees around. There was more open than the other area that they were in, but they made sure they made a note. They were like, "Do this, otherwise you too can start forest." I fires. was like, "You're <laughs> taking their PSA on forest fires." As we're recording this, there's a wildfire north of here. There is. <laughs> but that's Excel's fault. That's Colorado. That's Colorado living, friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the state's on fire half the year. Well, moving on. Moving on to terrifying appe- Well, my segue was going to be the appeal. The appeal of this next movie, which being in 1970, I feel like they really cranked it up. There's like some really trippy ass scenes right? in they this really movie. They really did bump it up a notch. It was, it was or 10 notches. on a different fucking level than Rudolph, which was, which was only a few years before. We're back to the Animagic stop mm-hmm. motion. You think um, that they thought this, that the other one didn't take off in the way that they wanted to and they were like, Animagic is where it's at. We got to stick with that. No, because Frosty was also hugely successful. Mm. They... They had congruent projects running all the time. Right. So they were people doing cell animation and stop motion mm-hmm. at the same time, all of the time. Like you said it, they branded these these characters. It seems like it was a group, uh, a small group of Japanese production companies that were constantly churning out content mm-hmm. for like 20 years. Yeah. And then was it was 20. done. <laughs> yeah. And then that was it. Um, so next movie, Santa Claus is coming to town. I hate. I'm not gonna say hate. That's a strong word. I shouldn't say hate. I don't like Bruce Springsteen. Oh, I wasn't doing that version. I was thinking the Michael Jackson version. Oh, he he did that too. Yeah, that's the one I was thinking of. I I always think about the. I opened up my Bruce Springsteen version. Yeah, Santa Claus is coming. Drink some water. Calm down. Stop smoking. That was always a thing is the exaggeration of Santa Claus is coming. <laughs> That's exactly what he does. To down. So it was like one of the ones I enjoy listening to every year because it's so fucking drunk. ridiculous. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Things weren't good with the wife at that point, maybe. He's just going to let it She's all sitting out. sitting there angrily shaking the tambourine. <laughs> Fuck. Oh my god, that's so funny. But I always say, Santa Claus is coming to town, do, 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 with all the band. Yeah, that's a good one. I, but yeah, when I opened my phone this morning, I saw it was Elizabeth Taylor giving, it was 1993, and Michael Jackson had never had Christmas before because he was a Jehovah's Witness. 
I always forget that they right? were Jehovah's Witnesses I forgot that before. too. I do remember everyone was freaking out that he got Christmas for the first time. And he got he was too, but then there was a little snippet over the top where he said he felt so happy, but then he felt guilty because he grew up his whole life thinking that you're not supposed to have this. So he like went into the bathroom and started crying and like sobbing because he didn't feel like he deserved any of it. Oh my God. But she opened up like all these super soakers and it was just like the cutest thing even That's though so funny you know um we're gonna get into other cute things mickey rooney's not so cute but there are other cute things should we replace mickey rooney with bruce springsteen oh i thought you were gonna say mickey rourke <laughs> 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 like what's my what's your best mickey rourke i don't got a good one i haven't done enough meth you didn't do enough jimmy Durant before too <laughs> after a <Hey>, frosty <laughs> <laughs> After a newsreel prologue stating that children around the world are preparing for the arrival of Santa Claus. Legions of junior citizens. I loved the junior citizens. That was fucking it was funny. Legion. That was legions. Legions of junior citizens like, around the world. It sounds like the children are rising. <laughs> like the, I need like Dan Aykroyd child to do rebellion. that. Legions of junior citizens around the world are joining for toys. Toys. It's the newest <laughs> thing to hit the state, to hit the nation. Station is station. There's a postman named Special Delivery, a.k.a. S.D. Kluger. Oh, and his name is Special. Special Delivery. His name is Special. Spe- special, well, that's special. That's why he goes by S.D., man. <laughs> Not great either, though. When his mail truck breaks down, he tells the story of Santa in response to several letters from children. In response to his truck breaking down, he starts going through yeah, the mail. Yeah, he starts committing, <laughs> committing federal, federal crimes. crimes. Yeah. <laughs> the story begins in a gloomy city of somber town, ruled by the <laughs> ill. <laughs> you gotta say it like that. But it's just like preface much. <laughs> it's gotta be. It's for kids. It's gotta be really transparent, oh, man. Yeah. Ruled by the ill-tempered Burgermeister Meisterburger. I was gonna say kid, Burgermeister Meisterburger. A baby arrives on his doorstep with a name tag reading Claus. A baby on my doorstep. He's just so pissed. All the time. Also, who left it there? Obviously somebody To die of exposure. They used to do that shit in the olden times all the time. (laughs) And obviously that person did not take like a wink at like the town they were in. They're like, this looks like a big house. This person will take care of this child. It came with a note requesting that the Burgermeister raise the child, but instead. He orders his henchman and the lockkeeper Grimsley to take the baby to an orphanage. On the way there, a gust of wind blows both the sled and the baby to the mountain of whispering winds, where the Sounds animal like a Fleetwood Mac song <laughs> <laughs> or Pocahontas, where the animals hide him from the winter warlock and take him to the Kringle Elf family. Also, still sounds Winter Warlock still sounds like Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. Led by their matron, Tanta Kringle. Tanta. I, I know, I love that. Giggling the whole time. I just like it. I'm a man, Tanta. <laughs> they adopt the baby and name him Chris. After a few years, Chris hopes to restore the Kringle's title as the first toy makers to the king. When Chris is old enough, he a man. A man, man. He volunteers to deliver. <laughs> I'm a man, Tanta. <laughs> Of course he's Elvis now. He volunteers to deliver toys to Sombertown. Meanwhile, the Burgermeister 
after tripping on a toy wooden duck, causing him to fall down a flight of stairs and suffering a leg injury, bans all toys in the town entirely. That sounds De- like a parent. Right. <laughs> Declaring that anyone, like literally tripping, falling, stubbing a toe on a toy, no more toys. You don't right? get any toys. Nope. Everything's ran. gone. Everything's gone. No way. I'm throwing it all away. Let <laughs> me give it to some other needy kids. Declaring that anyone found possessing a toy will be arrested and thrown into the dungeon. Meaning, who has toys exclusively children? Anyone found with in possession of a toy will be thrown in a dungeon. In the dungeon. On his way to Sombertown, Chris meets a lost penguin. (laughs) Won't you take me to Sombertown? Won't you take me to Sombertown? Or won't you take toys to? Sombertown. <laughs> the penguin is named Topper. That's a which, cute penguin name. That's adorable. In the town, he offers toys to two children washing their socks by a water fountain. Very sanitary. Old as school. The, <laughs> as the children are about to play with the toys, Chris is stopped by Miss Jessica, their lovely school teacher. But she softens towards Chris when he offers her a china doll as a peace offering. As Chris gives out more toys, the Burgermeister arrives and orders the children arrested. Chris stops him and gives him a yo-yo, which the Burgermeister enjoys until Grimsley. Grimsley, that's just like when he's like, I used to know how to do all kinds of tricks. <laughs> informs him that he's breaking his own law. I do like that. You know you're breaking your own law. Chris and Topper manage to evade capture and run into the woods. As Chris and Topper... That was a real quick turnaround. I was like, yeah, we're done. Chris and Topper start their journey back to the Kringles. The Winter Warlock captures them with his tree monsters. And when Chris gives him a toy train as a present, the Warlock's evil exterior melts away and he befriends Chris. It seems like everybody just needs a toy. And a hug. (laughs) Yeah. real cold and sad to repay him winter reunites chris with jessica who informs him that the burgermeister destroyed all the toys and the children now want new ones to <laughs> Sorry. all our toys are broken we want more fix it <laughs> fix it claws or crinkle to protect the town from further toy deliveries, the burgermeister orders all the doors and windows to be locked but chris enters by the chimney and places toys in the children's stockings. The Burgermeister then sets up a trap for Chris and Topper as he makes another delivery while his soldiers capture the Kringles and Winter. Jessica pleads with the Burgermeister to release her friends, but he refuses, obviously. Jessica determines that she belongs with Chris in a very trippy musical sequence with lots of psychedelic That was really psychedelic. Very intense. It got crazy. Did he drug you? Is that why you want him so bad? Right. Blink. If you need help, girl. (laughs) Is he keeping you like hostage? Anyway. Chris is sent to prison and Jessica has to go rescue everybody. She asks Winter to break everyone out, but sadly he refuses. Having very little magic left. He had a big magical number. That he just... He suffers from winter depression, okay? <laughs> Leave him alone. Seasonal depression. Yes. Uh, so he's saved for some magic feed corn, which enables the reindeer to fly. With it's the reindeer... Like, all it does is make reindeer fly. Like, no big deal. 
With the reindeer's help, the entire group escapes. After months as an outlaw and discovery that their homes were destroyed by the Burgermeister guards, Chris grows a beard as disguise. And it is unsettling. <laughs> it makes him so much more terrifying. I just like, too, that back in those days, he's like, well, they're going to have to make all new posters and redraw that photo because I have a beard now. Good Basically. luck. <laughs> After Tonta suggests that he return to his original name, Claus, for safety, Chris marries Jessica. After the wedding ceremony, the group travels to the North Pole to build a castle and toy workshop. They're building a whole vibe up there. As the years pass, Chris and Jessica grow older. Chris continues to travel only at night, as he is still considered an outlaw, which I think is really funny. At night, through chimneys. <laughs> breaking in NRE. Mm -hmm. Eventually, the Meisterburgers died off and lost their power over Sombertown. And most of the laws were deemed utterly ridiculous and revoked as Chris's legend grows worldwide. He is deemed a saintly figure becoming Santa Claus. Santa Claus. <laughs> as the years pass, Santa becomes unable to fill the toy requests throughout the year and resolves to limit his trips to one night a year. Should have done that a long, a long time, time ago. ago. Christmas Eve. As Santa prepares to head out on that night, Winter tells him that he has regained his magic and he can guarantee a white Christmas. After the story, S.D. Kluger suddenly realizes that it's getting late and remembers he's still got to deliver all these letters he's been reading. <laughs> To Santa and leaves for the North Pole with Topper, Winter, the Kringles, Parade of Children, and they're all singing Santa Claus is Coming to Town. During the credits, while Santa and his wife are seen silhouetted in an upstairs window as Jessica helps put on his hat and Santa steps out of his castle. This is the first time I've ever seen this motherfucker first with castle a on castle. The left. Only castle, actually. <laughs> Smiling and waving goodbye to the viewers. Happy Christmas. <laughs> Why we should give a shit about this crazy ass fucking movie? Whoa, that was good. That was so good. Because of the champagne cork pop sound for the baby crashing into the tree that out of the sled. The most <laughs> incredible thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> it's celebratory champagne pop when I the baby crashes into the tree. I've seen this movie so many times and I just forget how funny that is. Honestly. I'm going to sidebar real quick, but in this last year, we've watched, rewatched a lot of movies that we've watched a lot as a younger people. And it's been a while since we've sat down and paid attention to them. Mm -hmm. And we've really come to rethink about a lot of our old favorite movies That's in the we last year. we were talking year. about at the holiday party. It was just like you, a lot of people, I was like, that is our goal with this podcast is if you've never seen it before, getting you to go see it or... If you haven't seen it in forever, be like, yeah, I need to go back and watch that. Yeah. Because there are things that you may not remember. <laughs> it, it's different. <laughs> things slap different, as the kids say. <laughs> that kid definitely slapped that tree. <laughs> <laughs> he was. <laughs> it was like, I kicked the baby. I'm a man now, Tondra. She's like, no, you hit that tree real hard <laughs> when you came in. brain damage, Kringle. Much like Frosty. You heard about Frosty. We all know about Frosty. <laughs> Kept saying happy birthday when he met Merry Christmas. <laughs> that hat gave that magician jaundice. This is what it's a bad situation up north. When you melt and have to reconstruct yourself every year, they oh. don't go back together like they should. It's called the New Year's <laughs> resolution. <laughs> 
Well, I liked that this explained Claus and Kringle, like where yeah. that came from. I like that they gave Jessica Claus a name. She wasn't just Mrs. Claus. Which is, I keep talking about the Santa Clauses because it's my favorite Christmas franchise, if I'm being honest. And I've been watching the new show. Mm -hmm. One of the biggest complaints that Carol has, because his wife is named Carol, mm -hmm. is that Mrs. Claus doesn't have a name. And she's really fucking bothered by it. <laughs> she's like, I don't have a name. I'm Mrs. Claus. And they assume I'm fat. And she's not. That was something you and I noticed too. You were like, both of them got real yeah. plump. <laughs> all of a sudden, they got real plump, and they could suddenly couldn't keep up with the demand of all the tools. They were comfortable in their relationship, and all they did was eat and fuck. I mean, they were isolated. They were on the lamb in a castle with no neighbors. <laughs> what else are you gonna do? Just really happy animals <laughs> that are probably on drugs, much like Miss Jessica was. <laughs> eat this we're gonna go to a castle up north when no one knows where the we are the scenes we're missing is them eating the special leaves that grow on the bushes outside of or town or more about their journey yeah. on the lamb to find the castle yeah was it abandoned did they kill the people that lived there before them they eat psychedelic berries oh my god <laughs> uh, they talk about him hoeing he learned to hoe from seals Seals or hoes. They were like, the Kringles taught him stuff, but the animals really taught him all this other stuff. And you're like, okay. Because remember, the, the Burgermeister was like, he climbs like a squirrel. He holds like a seal. It's Outrageous. Weird. Your Burgermeister is really good, dude. Thanks. A plus. Uh, speaking of seasonal depression. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think if we're talking remakes, I think Steve Martin would make the perfect winter warlock. Winter here. You're stepping on my shoes, man. Like, he's just, like, got that. He can't do that, though, because Martin Chart already did it. He played. He played did, Jack Frost. I know, but Jack Frost was essentially a winter warlock. Uh, but he's much more of a, like, Peter Pan warlock, where he's jumping around and he's real, like, because that's why. You Steve made the Martin comparison of winter warlock in this movie being, like, the Ice King. In, in Adventure Time. Yes. And I think that's spot on. Oh, yeah. hundred percent. Before his before he melts and gets all friendly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Tom Kenny does a great job as the Ice King. But yeah, I think that... The Ice King actually does eventually... I don't know if you know Simon's story, but Simon does. I watch a lot of Adventure Time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that show's not for children. No. It's for adults. Um, I watch a lot of Adventure Time on Mushrooms, actually. <laughs> You should watch all of these Rankin and Bass movies on Mushrooms. Sure <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, Simon's story, he does eventually like get his heart back. Right. And he, so he raised, this is a weird tangent we're about to go on. He, he raised Marceline. He, yeah, Gunter. Mm -hmm. I have a little penguin at home that I named Gunter. No, I remember with, with, like there's a little penguin topper. He hangs out with yeah. the wizard on occasion. So uh, he raised Marceline who eventually became the vampire queen mm -hmm. and she went off to do her thing. And then he forgot essentially who he was and had amnesia for most of the show. And then eventually over there in that ice, man, by the end of the show, Marceline helps him discover it's honestly one of the most tragic few episodes of TV I've ever seen in my life. Much it's like really Fry's sad dog on and Futurama yes, where you're absolutely like, oh my God, this is going to fuck me up. So fucking heartbreaking, like their relationship and their story again. This is not for children. But I just but think it's so I, good. when I hear him go winter here, I just hear yeah. Steve Martin. Steve Martin. I get I get what you're yes. throwing down. Yes, yes, yes. Especially with the, he sings his big 
number is the whole one foot in front of the Never. other. And it mm-hmm. enters, the song enters in with a banjo. Yeah. It's like it was meant for Steve Martin. I could say, I see that. I see yeah. that. I would do that. I would work on some Animagic puppets and remake that. And Steve Martin could be our pull, like Burl Ives. Oh my God, that's so funny. I know um, he said he wasn't gonna do anything, but he doesn't have to like walk around. He just has to do his you do use his voice. This movie is still weirdly relevant, and they're still trying to make like new content from it. I don't understand. But there was a video game released in two thousand and level uh, two thousand and eleven for the Nintendo DS and the Wii, based on this movie. I'm upset. I don't have that game. I still have my Nintendo DS. I traded my Wii for an Xbox to some sucker. But, uh, well, it had a backpack, you know, it was like you could, yeah. I had all the fixings for it. Fixings. But, uh, I want that game. I want to play it. I want to see what it's like. Yeah, I hope it's cool. Yeah. It seems neat. But it's one of those things where I don't want to buy it if it sucks, but if it was gifted, I'd be stoked if it was awesome. Um, I hope you liked going. I hope this was a good birthday bash for you. This was good. I never, I don't really recall the Frosty one as much, I think, because I was like, oh, it's different. I like the puppets, but also terrifying. I was a huge, I used to not be as cynical about Christmas as I am. You were really excited about Frosty and Karen's adventure to the North Pole? We talked about the freeform 25 Days of Christmas. Yeah. That used to be ABC Family. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Or C. NBC, ABC, ABC. It was ABC, ABC Family, Family. Yeah. forever. Right. And they did that. The 25 Days of Christmas has always been on that network. Right. And I used to watch that show. Oh, I love that. And those. they used to play these every all the year. time. They would have like a new live action movie every night. But during the day, they played all of these movies mm-hmm. over and over Which and over. Which I was into. And, and we had them on VHS. What else are you going to do during Christmas them. break? Watch that, make cookies and shit. Yeah. Like, I don't know, craft. We've evolved into the Hallmark movies, and here's what's up, guys. I do realize that eventually we're going to run out of good Christmas movies because I've been looking at the streaming sites recently, and it's all like Hallmark shit. They have literally taken over. That one I I sent you that Dan Harmon pointed out where it was like Sister Swap, where it wasn't even about swapping sisters. It was the same movie. It was was the same movie, but it wasn't the same movie because in one they gave a background, like a backstory from one sister's perspective, but in the other one that was supposed to be the other sisters, because one was like city and one was the country, they didn't give the uh, the other sisters backstory perspective. They're just bad writers. They're yeah, trying they're to produce just a lot of content out crap. over there at Hallmark. Well, they were also really excited that the, the two sisters were actually sisters in real life. So they kind of hinged on that and went crazy. Jesus Christ. Movies with substance, please. Yeah, no. So uh, I, I. It's that like was, we should like have a podcast about movies about with substance movies. or something. That was a declaration that we're never going to watch Hallmark movies. Yeah, I will literally stop no. doing Christmas movies before I start watching Hallmark movies. And there's no, there's no short shortage of holiday movies. Yeah, there it. Uh, there is a lot longer of a list for Christmas movies than there is for Thanksgiving movies. But That's for sure. We just found again, one, though, that is a Thanksgiving movie that we got to check out. I know. We're going to find that one. We'll find that one for next year. The Mouse on the Mayflower. Mouse on the Mayflower. I wrote it down. Well, thank you, everyone, for... We have one bonus episode left. Um, it's we, out. No. We've got one more. We have our Happy Baby New Year. That's the final episode, though. That brings us to episode 40. Oh, yeah. Okay, cut that out, Michael. 
So we got one episode no, left. No, I know it was confusing. We're talking about uh, Yeah, we've, yeah, let's try that again. So we've got one episode left of the season. Oh, yeah. Our Happy Baby New Year episode. We are going to be watching through all three, ladies and gentlemen. There are three of yes. these. Look who's talking movies. Look who's talking. Look who's talking two. Look who's talking three. Look who's talking now. Yes. Also, we had planned this before Kirstie Alley passed away, but we're going to... I it's would imp- like more important now that we do it, especially now that we're going to do this. Um, I'm also going to do, I've decided like a little bio tribute to Kirstie Alley because into it. She's a Kansas girl. She grew up in Wichita and it's real sad. We don't have very many famous people from Kansas. So when we lose one, Paul it's Rudd, tragic. Brad Pitt, the one Jason okay, Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt oh, from, from the Missouri Saint Joe, side, right? Missouri. Yeah. Okay, well, excuse him that. and Jason Sudeikis, Cheryl Crow are from St. Joe. They went to high school together. Mm. They probably and Jason bone, Sudeikis, huh? Paul Do you think Rugg, they bone? No, they were in two very Different separate crowds, social groups. Sense. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, we're gonna watch all three of those. Those movies. Uh, when did they come out? 80, 89? 87, 88. All right, we're taking. I, lo- I like. To, sometimes I like to see test I'm, our movie okay, knowledge. All right, you me, ready? This is me. My guess. Get wait, here. We go. So look. Are who's you going to guess all three? And I then am. I'll, okay. I am. Look who's talking. Came out nineteen either eighty eight or eighty nine. Look who's talking. Two came out in ninety or ninety one. And look who's talking. Three. Look who's talking now. Came out in nineteen ninety three. All right, you did great. Look Who's Talking came out in 1989. I was right. Look Who's Talking 2 came out in 1990. And Look Who's Talking Now came out in 1993. Kick ass, you did it. I smoke a lot of weed, so I'm not as accurate as IMDb, but I like to think that I'm pretty good. You did great, which means you win the chance to talk about all those movies next week. (laughs) (laughs) Which I was going to win regardless. We, I mean, wahoo! So this episode is going to be that was so amazing. This episode is going to be posted right before Christmas. Christmas. So mm-hmm. Thank you everybody for a weird, wild year. Wild, weird birthday stuff. That wild, weird birthday stuff. Happy birthday, Chloe! You can choose. Happy birthmas, as my brother says. Oh my god, it's so funny. You can tell me whether or not you'd like to tell people how old you are. You can be thirty-three. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I could see that was a shock. Uh, the problem to you. is because your birthday and my birthday are really close apart, but also really far apart. Yeah, so they're on the, the, they're close on the opposite ends of the year. Yes. Yeah, it gets confusing. So I, I am older than you most of the year, and then Except you were the, the same gosh. age for like three months. Yes. Yeah. Correct. And then I'm old again. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, happy Christmas, happy Hanukkah, Merry Yule, and Merry Movie Miss. Merry Movie Miss. Hello. This is required viewing. This has been a required viewing network production. Thank you to our producer, Michael Murray, social media manager, Chloe Riggs, and showrunner, Aaron Mullane, as well as an additional thank you to our guest contributors.